Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. What's going on today? I forgot to pre-think of what was going on today. You don't need to pre-think. You just need to do. Got to fill in some time somehow. I am doing great today. Can I use that word? Great. I am doing great today. It is a great day in the world of What Difference Does It Make. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing really well. I made a new Facebook friend the other day. I believe it was you that's going to this Valley Girl show at the Viper Room. I'm like, oh, Gary Myrick is playing, and he would be a good guest. And I just happened to reach out to him, and he answered back. and like, yeah, let's talk. It's such a pleasure to, to have somebody respond like that to you. He's so great. He also has a new album. Our listeners will probably know him from Gary Myrick and the Figures. That was his band back in the 80s. And Dave mentioned Valley Girl. He had a couple of songs in the film Valley Girl. Also Havana 3AM, a tremendous band that needs to be discovered again. His album, Forever, Adventures in Twelve Strings, is cover songs of some of his own work and some of the work that inspired him. We're going to talk about a lot of these songs that are on this album and kind of tap his brain as to why these songs mean so much to him and and kind of get the history of Gary Myrick. I will also say, if this is your first time with the What Difference Does It Make podcast, like and subscribe and tell us about the YouTube page, Holly. You guys, you can find us on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make podcast. And we're putting stuff up. You will see outtakes from this chat with Gary Myrick and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And on other social media, you can find us at WDDIM podcast. Wonderful. So let's get right into it right now. This is Gary Myrick on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hey, Gary. I was worried I was going to, I was trying to do all the stuff and I was worried I was going to be late, but I'm on time. You're totally fine. Exactly. Okay. No worries at all. Yeah. I have my little friend here. I want to show you. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, my goodness. So, so you better be nice or he'll attack. <laughs> All right. So that was a that was your, your puppy. Who what What's is his name? what is your puppy's name? D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Are you one of the three musketeers? I was about to say, do you have the, the three musketeers as well? Well, I have six dogs. Oh. So you could you what? could say that. But really, he's the only musketeer. All right. So here's here's what we're going to do. We were looking through the 10 songs on your Forever Adventures in 12 Strings album. 
Cool. It kind of goes through your life story, I would imagine. So not my whole life story, right. but you know what I did was there's a few songs that I wanted to reimagine. I thought they were great songs and this album really shows the song. You really can hear the whole song as it was written because it's just me and a 12-string guitar. I play some slide guitar on on my lap, but it's basically me and a guitar and it's the way I write, would write a song. And also it's really fun to sing and play at the same exact time because you become more one with your instrument. And so in this album, which kind of leans into the blues and beyond, I sometimes hit the guitar like a drum break. I'll be singing a part and then I'll go into, I'll start hitting the guitar with my thumb, like boom. Boom, keeping a beat. Like I call it a drum break. My guitar sounds great like that. I mean, the wood sounds amazing. I need to be holding my guitar. I don't, I don't want to do an overdub. You know, I want to do it right then and there. And then I can also, I sing with my guitar some. I've seen certain notes with the guitar, exact notes. So when I do that, I can do it exactly perfect if I'm playing it. I'm thinking it, I'm singing it, I'm playing it at the same time. Boom, 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 boom. And so it made good sense to me. And, and I was able to show some of the, the old songs for really what they are as a song. And I like that. My dear mother left me when I was quite young. My dear mother left me when I was quite young. She said, Lord, have mercy on my wicked son. First time I traveled out in the rain and snow, in the rain and snow. First time I traveled out in the rain and snow, in the rain and snow. Didn't have no payroll, not no place to go. This just allows the truth, the truth of what it is. Isn't that the blues right there? Was it three chords in the truth? Isn't that what they say about the blues? Baby. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's, that's right. Right It can be one chord in the truth. Yeah. And that's how you recorded this whole album. I went backwards to go forward. So what I did was I said, we've all decided and now realize that vinyl sounds best we know we've we've tried we tried a bunch of stuff you know we went digital we still are digital to a certain extent but i wanted to record analog i wanted to go backwards i wanted to record to two inch tape like a recording studio which i've done on many albums already in the past because there wasn't pro tools and when i started recording in 1980 so i said First of all, I love blues from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and some 70s. And so how am I going to get that? Well, I've got to go back to tape because I want to capture vinyl. 
I want to get the vinyl sound. And then I even started my own little record company called Sound of Vinyl Records. So I put this out on my own record label, even though I have a distribution company, I didn't make any compromise and I can control everything artistically. I was just in a room by myself, one microphone, I sang and I played at the same time. And, you know, my little guitar hits and all sorts of little scratches and things. I wanted all that stuff. Just like some of the great uh, records that I loved, even from the 1930s that were on acetate and things like that. You know, even the Robert Johnson recordings were done like that, even though they went to acetate and they, they weren't quite as advanced. But still, the concept was the same. And I wanted that concept so I could really sing the truth and sing my songs as they were written. Well, he was poisoned at the age of 27 by a jealous man who sent his soul to heaven. No man was arrested, no one was accused. He dug his own grave, king of the Delta Boost. A hundred years later, he still wears the crown. Johnson's spirit comes around. Oh, Robert Johnson's spirit comes around. Crossroad, he sold his soul away. Satan said, I'll make you a legend someday. Angels come to get you when your time is done. The blues had a baby, Robin was the son. A hundred years later, he still wears the crown. Yeah, I also wanted to give a nod to Lead Belly, which is an old blues guy who played on the corners of Dallas, Texas in the 30s, which is my hometown. So I, uh, this is the nod to, to uh, Lead Belly that it's 12 string. He played 12 string only. And a lot of, a lot of guys couldn't play 12 string and to this day still can't play 12 string. And I said, I can play 12 string. I want to do it on 12 string. It's like two guitars kind of almost. I thought the sound was great. I loved the sound of the 12 string and I could do all the stuff I wanted to do on it. That's another thing that made the record more unique because you just don't, you don't really hear 12 string and people should hear it. It's a special sound and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who is a famous 12 string player. There's who else played 12 string? Leo Kotke. Yes. There is that who you're talking about? Yeah, I think, so. yeah, that could be the guy. He's got some signature models and stuff. He did 12 string, but it really wasn't, it wasn't as bluesy. It wasn't like this, right, right. but it, but it, yes, it was 12 string, but that's how rare it was. One guy that you can think of. Right. See, I don't know if he's even still doing it, but yes, Leo Kotke was really great. It's a bit different, a little bit different. A lot of people will think of 12 string. You think of, British Invasion, 12-string coming like the Rolling Stones. And that stuff's great, too, that would come out of England, 12-string. It was kind of a 60s iconic sound. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful, too. Well, you got your diamonds. You got your pretty clothes. Your chauffeur drives your car. 
And everybody knows Don't you play with me Cause you're playing with fire Don't you play with me Cause you're playing with fire I said, I can do this, and I can do it with my songs and my style. So I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to do it old school. Yeah. I'm going to do it to tape. Havana 3 a.m. I had I had forgotten about Havana 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. until I heard, I listened to your album. Like, oh, my God, this song was amazing. I love this back in the day. Paul Simonon of The Clash, you. Nigel Dixon, a beautiful man and a great singer. I got to. Yeah, I answer got him. We we were all into motorcycles. We liked to ride motorcycles. And we met because I was playing some guitar with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. He had a solo album coming out and he was going to go on a little tour and he needed another guitarist. I said, if you know, if you need me, I'd love I'd love to do it. I'd love to play for you. And he said, he called me up and said, yeah, come on, come on down. He'd been by playing. He'd, you know, been to some gigs and stuff and seen me play. And, and uh, I knew I could back him up, no problem. And I would like to. I, I'm a fan of the Sex Pistols. And then I end up meeting Paul Simonon, who just came to town with Nigel Dixon from England. And they went to El Paso. And I'm from Texas. So they went to El Paso first. So they go from London to El Paso. You know, a lot a lot of the British, well, they love the Westerns, the American Westerns. They have this dream of, say, El Paso. And they think of Marty Robbins singing songs. You know, they and and it you know, it's cool that they feel that way. I mean, I have my my dreams of of, uh, of England in the Cotswolds and things like that. <laughs> so they came out, they bought motor, they bought two Harleys in El Paso and rode them to Los Angeles. And then I met up with them through Steve Jones, Sex Pistol Man, and then we all went riding on motorcycles. I'm not trying to talk about music or anything, just we just wanted to hang out and ride some motorcycles. Yeah. And then we ended up uh, you know, just talking about music one day and they said that they would like to start a band. And I said, Why don't we get together and write three songs. And if we like the three songs, let's go in the studio and cut a demo. And if we like that, let's start a band. I mean, you know, we don't even have to think that far. Let's just go write some songs, three songs. And we did, and we liked them, and we thought it was cool. And then we went and cut them in a recording studio. That was in the very late 80s. I think it was 89 or 90. Well, we went on a little mini tour. We toured Texas and we toured the West Coast without a record out, no record out. But since Paul was in the band from The Clash, you know, The Clash had a giant audience. So we could just say that, you know, Paul's playing bass and we could draw a good crowd. And, you know, I have some records out. And, and Nigel was uh, a British rockabilly guy. And he had had a lot of uh, records that weren't very well known here, but some people knew in a band called Whirlwind. And then they wanted to go back to England, in which I understood. It was totally cool. And so we just kind of took a break and thought, well, maybe we're going to do this, maybe we're not, but it's okay. So they went back to England. And then they called me up about six months later and said, 
could you come over to England to write some more songs? So I went over there, we wrote some more songs, and then we got a record deal in Japan, of all places. And we went to Japan and played some gigs in Tokyo. And it was really cool. We went to Japan, back to Japan again after that. We went back to England and came back again. We've been to Japan about three times. And we recorded with a recording engineer who could not speak English. So we had an interpreter. And that was wild. You know, that's, that's wild enough. Just, you know, you're trying to tell somebody about a guitar sound and he can't speak English at all. <laughs> so that's weird. You know, we made it through and we got sounds that we liked and uh, we made the album. And then the deal was that we could <laughs> release the album in Japan, but we could keep the master tapes and license them to another label in the States or in, in England. So we licensed it to IRS Records, which was Miles Copeland, who we knew, and he was into it. And um, that's how we ended up making that record. And it did pretty good, you know. I mean, it was definitely an alternative record, and it was it went to number four in the alternative charts in Rolling Stone. So it, it got noticed. We went on uh, David Letterman and played, and we toured all over. We went through three tours of Italy, France, the Netherlands, you know, Holland, Germany. We had, we had a great time. And then Nigel discovered that he had cancer, and we were horrified, and he was horrified. That kind of stopped us dead in our tracks because yeah. he wasn't given a, the greatest prognosis. Oh. So we just stopped. We just stopped dead. And then he went back to England and I went down to Austin, Texas for a while for like a six month sabbatical, I guess you could call it. And I could do a little tour of Texas. And I called Nigel. I said, I don't know how you feel or if you want to or anything but would you like to come over and uh, do a little tour, make a little money? And uh, I knew he needed some money. And uh, we did that. Then he went back to England. He got sicker and uh, he, he lasted about six months and then passed away. And we were really good friends and he was a great guy and he was a real straight shooter. Really, really cool, real good, good guy. And that, that was, that was Havana 3 a.m. This would probably be side one of Forever Adventures in 12 Strings. 
So we're going to flip it over to the other side and talk a little bit more with Gary Myrick on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our guest today, Gary Myrick. Imaginary Western. Uh, I'm not familiar with this. What's going on here? That's one of my songs from one of my solo albums. I did a solo album after, after Nigel passed away called Gary Myrick and Havana 3AM. He and I were, were starting. We were going to write it and, and do it. And I had a song on there that I wrote completely by myself called Imaginary Western. I really like that song. I also want to reimagine it on 12 string. So that's what that is. The tumbleweeds blow down in the city. There doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. The skeleton man is standing on the corner waiting for the girl to give him what he wants to take away her sacred heart. On the back of a motorcycle we start. The engine runs, runs away over the hill and over the dale. I hit that dusty trail in my imaginary western. Hit that dusty trail in my imaginary western. <laughs> Next time, let's go. We're going back in time to 1980. This is the first cut from uh, a band called Gary Myrick and the Figures. The song is yeah. Living Disaster. Do you? What, what are your thoughts on this song? Well. It's another example of a, a song that I thought was a really good song as it was written. And I did it on 12 string and I thought this shows how, what a good song it is. It shows it more than the original track. 
in my opinion. Now, the original track, it was on fire. Lead off so, cut. It's got to be on fire, right? That band was burning the house down. Yeah. But sometimes the song might get a little lost, the song itself. And so I, I did it on 12 string and I went, oh, this is cool. I've had a lot of, a lot of people that don't even know my original recording of it and go, oh, I really like that song. I really like that. So they don't even know that it existed before. And so I thought it was, it was a, a good thing. It's reimagined. That's also a point about, you know, when, when you're remaking a song or reimagining a song, some people prefer it to be true to the original and some people want to hear the new band's take on it. Sure. I mean, I know it's not a new band. It's you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, still me. It's still my voice. Still my guitar. Yeah. It's a lot slower. It's, you know, you can hear every lyric. I just thought it was a, a, a good choice. And it was the first song I ever recorded on a, on a record label. Let's go walking tonight. Let's go say anything we want to. Let's put a face on tonight. In front of the world, you're a living disaster. Let's go walking tonight. Let's go talking tonight. Let's go walking tonight. In the face of the world, you're a living disaster. The beat is steady, steady and simple, and you're mine tonight. You're so fine, and I'm not patronizing. Let's go walking tonight. Let's go. Did this song also leave when you're playing uh, in the late 70s at the Starwood? Was this your opening song? Is this what what you led (laughs) off with? Uh, we often would open with that song. Yes. You must know something if you know that. Yeah. I was actually too young to get it to go to the Starwood, unfortunately. Cause, but, oh, uh, man, it rocked. Oh, Clearly. I, yeah. What was, so touch on the Starwood. What was, I had never been to the Starwood. What was that club like? It was pretty big. It was wide open. It had a balcony. I'm sure they let people in that were underage. I'm positive. I could have gotten in been there we've got in yeah they were letting people in on underage i know they were i think owner was a criminal i think he really seriously (laughs) i believe that he's not alive now so he won't come get me but he was a criminal for sure i mean he didn't do anything that i knew of but uh i heard little stories things he was a criminal so he he did you know things that were a little not very scrupulous Letting underage kids in was not a big deal for him, but it rocked hard. That place was on fire and we got, we had great shows there. Really great shows. there. Was that where Epic records discovered you guys? Did you, were you signed based on your shows there? Yes. Yes, we were. And they would come to shows. They were coming. And then we went in and recorded a quick demo live for Epic. And they thought that was cool. And uh, it wasn't like we would make the record. We would make the record a bit more. There would be more to it than that. But they liked it. sounded good when we got signed. And everybody, you know, with punk and new wave and everything that was going on artistically, record companies were running around with their heads cut off trying to figure out who to sign, yeah. you know. It was kind of like the 60s in that way because that was happening in the 60s too. People would go, hey, he's got long hair, sign him. 
You know, it was the, they were doing the same kind of thing. You have some gold yeah. records behind you. Do you have Missing You behind you somewhere? Yeah, I do. Let's see. Yeah, I... there's a platinum and two gold records from uh, the album No Breaks that I did with John Waite. Now, this is a fun fact, and John doesn't want anybody to know this, but we were put together by my manager to start a band. And we, we did this whole record as a band, but we didn't have a name yet. And then I got an offer to do another solo album on Guessing, and I really wanted to do it. And they didn't want me to do it. And I said, well, I mean, you don't know you're going to have a hit. Nobody knows. The record company doesn't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. You could easily not get a hit and no one would know and no one would care about the record. So I don't know. I just went, I really want to do this record. I'll tell you what, John, you can just call it a John White record. Dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> Dumbest thing I ever did. Because then we have a number one song and I bailed, but. I own a piece of the record because I'm in the band, right? It's a band record. I own two points on the record. I've written songs on the record. So I'll get paid forever. So that's okay. So that's cool. But if I had kept my mouth shut and decided just to stick it out, and John and I had some nice chemistry, we could have done some live shows that would have been really cool. You know, if if I had just done that, I could have, I could have made some good cash from playing Missing You for many years. But, hey, it's okay. It's all right. I still get paid, and I did the record, and I got some guitar I really like, and and people, you know, like it. And a lot of people mention the guitar on that record to me, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. You got to stay grateful. Will you put that on uh, part two of uh, Adventures in 12 Strings? Put what on? Missing you? Yeah. You can make Doubtful. it out blues. <laughs> Doubtful? Okay. It's a, a bit too pop for what I want to do right now. You can I, can hear it. I can hear it with a 12-string. Oh, it could definitely be done on a 12-string. I ain't missing oh, you at all? Yeah. Come on. That's a blues line right there. What's the blues line? I ain't missing you at all? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a blues line. Yeah. I ain't missing <laughs> you at all. All right. Just food for oh, thought. Yeah. Food for thought for later on. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'll think about it. Let's Next. put it that way. All right. I get a point on this. Okay. You heard it first here. <laughs> now you want money. See, right. <laughs> see what's come. To. See that? See how that works? No, I'm just happy that, you know, that we get to be the, uh, the announcers of it. <laughs> no, I don't need the money. I'm good. I'm good without the money. Oh, speak no, for yourself, I'm Holly. I'm totally teasing. <laughs> Can I show you the CD? Can I show you? Please. Yeah. Here's the CD. I did all the artwork, by the way. You know, I've done all my album covers through the years. Since 1980, I did every album cover. Wow. Artwork. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I draw and I do photography, multimedia. This is my brother's photograph. In This is actually in Robert Johnson's studio where he recorded. It wasn't a studio, actually. It was a room in a hotel. But in Dallas, Texas, this is the space where Robert Johnson recorded his only album. I was invited to go in there. It was a, a, an amazing vibe in there. My brothers of photography took that photo. So I used that. This is like a selfie from in my car. That's just a selfie in my car. Big deal. See, I mean, I use my, my iPhone to do everything. It's kind of unbelievable. And I did all the lettering, everything. And inside, there's some really groovy artwork on the inside, too. Uh, um, so we do have to buy it. Yeah. Physical is the way to go. You got to. 
yeah, it's all, it's all original artwork. So, you know, and that's part of my thing. I mean, I, I like doing that and it's just part of my thing to just do the whole package, everything. Uh, Blue Gene Vincent. Tell me about Gene Vincent for you. Well, Gene Vincent was, uh, you know, everybody should know the song. Bebopalula, she's my babe. You know, that's Bebopalula is Gene Vincent. Okay, he's most famous for that song. He was considered more of the real, true rockabilly rocker from the 50s. And the British love Gene Vincent, man. They think Gene Vincent is the dude. And I tend to agree with them in many ways. And as I just wrote this song, Ode to Robert Johnson, I wrote this with the guys from Havana 3AM, Paul Simonon and Nigel Dixon. We said, let's write a song about Gene Vincent because he's so beloved in England. So that's what we did. And, and I really liked it. And I've, I've recorded it like two or three times, different ways, just because I, I think it's a cool song. And this time I did it with total slide guitar and I play it on my lap. I, oh, I, I love the sound of that, of yeah. lap steel. Uh, lap steel, and I play slide. And a lot of people, you know, it's you don't hear slide enough, I don't think. So I recorded on an acoustic dobro, and I lay it flat on my lap. It's called a square neck. The neck is actually square, and you couldn't play it like a regular guitar. You couldn't do it because the strings are very high off the neck. Then the neck is square. You, you couldn't even get your fingers around it. And so you lay it on your on your lap or on a stand, but I lay it on my lap and I play it that way. And so I play it, played it and sang it all slide guitar on Blue Jean Vincent. Blue Jean Vincent, don't say maybe. Be Bobalula, the fans went crazy. Rock and roll dream, wild and mean, it's so true. Did you take a drive on a midnight run? Your car took a spin and you lost your friend. Take another drink to ease the pain. The pills and the pain, the wind and the rain cannot wash away. Heaven and hell. He had he had a turbulent life, and uh, I believe he spent some time in jail. He had a car wreck that killed a friend of his. He had a, a bunch of things that weren't great. So it makes for a good song. What's your hog now? What are you already riding? Uh, I ride a Harley Davidson. Okay, still classic American motorcycle. It is a gigantic motorcycle. It is very large. And very strong and very fast. And uh, not that I need fast because I'm kind of a cruiser, but it's a, it's got all, it, it's uh, called a soft tailed deluxe. And the deluxe looks like a lot of the vintage Harleys from the 1950s, but it has the technology to where it starts right up. And it's, uh, you know, it's got all, all sorts of the bells and whistles of a modern motorcycle, but looks 
very much. It has like big white walls and it, it's really a beautiful thing to, to see. And uh, it's really comfortable to ride and I love it. You and Jonesy still go out and ride together? No, no, we don't. I mean, it's been, you know, I, I haven't seen him in quite a while. I was going on KLOS quite often doing some shows. I played some 12 string on KLOS and you know, when the pandemic hit, nobody was, all the shows were turning into, you know, not having guests on and, you know, it was, it's kind of, it's been weird because of the pandemic. So not a lot of hanging out with anybody. It's been really a, a pleasure. I'm really glad I reached out to you and you, you answered back. So. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. And I, I've been, it's really great to meet both of you guys and talk to you. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening to me rant and rave about all my silly uh, things that I'm doing. Yeah, it's really fun for us. Thank you for sharing it, really, for taking so much time. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. A, a wonderful talk with Gary Myrick about his album, Forever Adventures in 12 Strings. You enjoy yourself? It was a total treat to talk to him. I really liked talking about his new music, even though, you know, of course, as we discussed previously, we know him from, you know, from a lot of his stuff in the 80s, Gary Myrick and the Figures. We probably first heard him on the soundtrack of Valley Girl. We did discuss all the songs and anything you don't hear on the podcast will be up on our YouTube page. So, so check it out. Check it out. And he directed some of his own videos for these songs, and we're going to post those too. Wonderful. We have new episodes every Friday. Again, subscribe as a reminder. And like, it's always a surprise. Oh, who are Holly and Dave talking to this week? And uh, you never know. <laughs> Could be one of your favorites. So subscribe. So you're, you get that weekly reminder. So let's wrap this up. Until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.